Hello and welcome to the Coming Out of the Basement podcast for November 2013. I'm your host, Carlos. With me is your host, Ben. JJ couldn't make it today, unfortunately, but we have a lot to talk about, so I'm sure he'll be joining us next time. And and for note, this is take two. Uh, we tried it last night. We had some tef- technical difficulties. That was my fault. Trying a new like Skype MP3 recorder didn't work out that well. Had to do some troubleshooting. Luckily, that's kind of my job, so we got it figured out. We did, yes. We are still still alive, since we were still alive, you know, the last podcast. Um, but, you know, we've been uh, kind of busy recently. Uh, what's been going on with you? Um, I had a kid. Congratulations. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, you've seen him a couple times now. Uh, his name is Grayson Tiberius. Uh, named after Richard or Dick Grayson, uh, the first Robin, who then became Nightwing, who then became Batman, then Nightwing again, and Tiberius, of course, after James Tiberius Kirk. So yeah, you're you're uh, you're getting him ready for the life already, the lifestyle. Oh, he's already been to Comic Con. He's not even a year old, and he's been to Comic Con. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> um, what have you been working on? So. Um... A lot of September and October, Holly and I uh, spent working at a – or volunteering at a 501c3 nonprofit called Scare for a Cure, which is an interactive haunted house. Um, all proceeds go to some local cancer charities. And we spent a lot of time there just about every day for you know two months. Uh, you know, We'd get out of work at 10. We'd go over to the place to the showing thing and then be there till 2. We'd go over on weekends and then when it actually ran, we did it. It was awesome. Um, as you as you may or may not know, Holly uh, loves costume and cosplay, and this was a really fun way for her to go and contribute to this. And I think I, we, we both really liked it quite a bit. Um, Scare for a Cure, it's a, it's a haunted house, and every year they have a different theme. This year's theme was fairy tale nightmare. So the story is that uh, these researchers or these, these museum folk have found a way into fairyland, and they're bringing in items from fairyland. But that is uh, that's destroying or corrupting the fairy world. And so your job is to go in and put those items back while having to deal and flee from the, uh, you know, an evil Red Riding Hood and an evil Rapunzel whose hair comes and like entangles people. And from you know from three the three blind mice who go out and try to and kill people you know it's it's really fun it was really awesome uh, yeah it's like I said Holly Holly worked on costumes I ran a lot of errands I got to operate the gore cannon that was interesting um, which is just what it sounds like uh, but it was it was a lot of fun um, had had you ever heard of Scarecrow here are you there. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. For some reason, Skype uh, muted my mic. Um, (laughs) I didn't even hit the button. That is odd. Yeah, Yeah. that is odd. Um, So I should notate that uh, as part of this, I had to take in my other laptop uh, to Discount Electronics to get repaired. Uh So I'm on my backup laptop. And the reason this is my backup laptop is it has some funkiness with the HP um, hot button thing. Gotcha. So as part of the, the HP design, there's a section of hot buttons um, to instantly like, you know, uh, remove sound or increase or decrease the volume and stuff like that. Mine is on this laptop is screwed up in that random things will start happening to the hot buttons. That is odd. Yeah. Uh, right. hopefully, <laughs> so, well, hopefully if, if I will tell you if I can no longer hear you anymore. Yeah. And and so uh, to answer your question, uh, yes, I am familiar with Scare for the Cure. We uh, ran into them briefly in Comic-Con where they are starting up a fantasy section that you talked about 
a little bit when we were trying to do this podcast originally yeah. last night. So yeah, they, they did the first one last year, but it was only for one weekend, and we heard about it too late. It's called Quest Night, which is basically the same kind of interactive thing, except it's all fantasy-based. It's like going through a dungeon. And uh, this time, the, it's, the Quest Night is going to be April 18th, 19th, 25th, and 26th. It's called Hunt for the Lich King. And yeah, you play the part of you know a fighter, a magic user, a, a cleric, or whatever, and you go out and you fight enemies and stuff like that. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. And yeah, we'll, Holly and I will be uh, joining that again as well yep and and um it was really uh entertaining with the uh the setup they had at comic-con uh this year uh so the whole family and i went to comic-con on friday um and we saw some of the stars we basically just walked the uh, the floor a whole bunch we didn't go to any yeah. of the panels we didn't have enough time and uh by the end grayson <laughs> traffic was so backed up and and grayson just screamed for 40 minutes on the way home so we didn't get to, to do the whole comic-con experience i know you went did you go to comic-con real briefly yeah, I was there a lot of Saturday and Sunday. I was running Pathfinder Society games and stuff like that. But I got to go That's to right. the, I got to go to the vendor room a bit, and I did uh, I did to see one thing, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Um, but yeah, it was it was packed. I was really surprised at how how crowded, especially since it was so cold here in Austin. It's uh, it's nice. It seems every year like it's getting a little bigger, which is nice. I, I like the fact that the venue's growing. Yeah, lots of cosplayers. It was very cool. Yeah. Uh, lots of people, uh, lots of different interests represented. So yeah, that was that was really great. Yeah. Um, I did have. So did you ever see? Uh, so one thing about Scarefrick here, which I actually didn't find out until after we started volunteering. Did you ever see Stanley's Who Wants to Be a Superhero? Yes. So yeah, the winner of the second season of Who Wants to Be a Superhero was a police officer here in Austin called The Diffuser, who's Jarrett Crippen, and he's the guy who founded uh, Scare for a Cure and who's doing all this charity stuff, and he's he's a really nice guy, really awesome. He was emceeing a bunch of stuff at Comic-Con this year, and he goes to these Comic-Cons all over the country, um, and yeah, he's a really nice guy. The costume shop, which we were at, is at his house. Like He converted his garage into a sewing costume workshop thing with tables and sewing wow. machines. And all. Yeah. Uh, insul- you know, it's insulated and air conditioned, and that's where that's where all that stuff happens. Uh, so yeah, it was he's a, he's a really great guy, and I thought that was a really interesting thing that he's been doing since you know uh, since since he wants to be a superhero. That is a man who takes his hobby very seriously. Yep, yep. So yeah, our uh, as you know, Holly and Holly and our and my uh, anniversary is on Halloween. This year was our our tenth year anniversary, and we got to go. Yeah, we were there at Scare at at the Haunt uh, that night and working on stuff, which was very cool. Nice, very yeah. awesome. Yeah. So we got a lot of stuff to cover today. Um, I know we got movies to talk about. I want to talk about some comic book stuff. We got to talk about some TV stuff. So um, you probably got some Kickstarter you want to cover. So what's your let's 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 do let's do um, categories. Okay. Before we do, I have one more Wizard World story that I want to hear from you. What's that? MechCore. Um. So MechCore. Uh, I went into MechCore fully expecting to get my ass handed to me because it was a bunch of 14-year-old kids signing up. And one of the things I, I've come to realize as I'm getting older and I'm married and I have a kid is that I just can't game like I used to. And, and my my off time that I spend online playing games is often spent um, getting my ass kicked by kids um, half my age or younger. Uh, but MechWarrior is one of those games where it's not just a matter of controller. There's a lot of ins and outs, you know, pedals to adjust the torso and a variety of levers and switches and stuff like that. Now, luckily, I've played MechWarrior, MechCore enough that I, I understand the the mechanics behind it. So I signed up for the game, and I was the the top rank, and the next highest person had half my score, or, or theirs about. So I, I did quite quite proficiently bring the pain. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. 
So that was a lot of fun. And they had a great setup there. You saw that, right? Yeah, yeah. They had a bunch of different capsules, it looked like, all in a row, and you entered the capsules and everything. Yeah, yeah really the capsules had multiple screens. Um, two screens were your, like, um, heads-up display. Like, they were they were two separate screens meant to be, like, your windows. And then you had radar and, like, uh, multiple screens for, like, all your weapons and diagnostics and stuff like that. And all the buttons worked and, and stuff. It was... That's why it could be quite easily intimidating for someone to get in there and not understand what's going on because you're going to just sit there and spin in place and not do anything. Right. Um, so some of the kids had played MechWarrior before. Some of them hadn't. And uh, it, a lot of those games is just running and gunning. You don't stand still. You, you're constantly moving, paying attention to where you're going, and then twisting your torso to shoot effectively uh, to the side and stuff like that. So experience helps a lot in that situation. Very cool. Uh, yeah, topic-wise, what did you want to talk about first? What do you think? I want to cover the big movie news first. Let's do that. Um, now, this is old news for everyone else, but we've been away um, having kids and doing horror stuff and scared for the cure. So we got to talk about, and, and I know you and I have been avoiding this topic as we wanted to cover it for the podcast, but I feel like we have to address Batfleck. <laughs> okay. We do. I mean, because it's it's a major detour from what everyone is anticipating. After the hyper realistic Nolan verse, right? People are genuinely afraid that they're gonna get a George Clooney esque return to the character, mm-hmm. right? And let's be honest, George Clooney is the low point of Batman's cinematic career. You could point to Adam West, but I would argue that Adam West was appropriate for his time. Do you think George Clooney was was worse than Val Kilmer? Yes, I I would say George Clooney is worse than Val Kilmer, and and specifically because George Clooney didn't attempt to be the Batman. He, all he did was be George Clooney. In that George Clooney has this head thing that he always does, where he tilts it to the side, mm-hmm. and he was trying to do that in the bat suit and he couldn't. So you actually can see him in scenes like fighting with the bat suit, trying to tilt his head. And I was like, no, 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 I don't I don't see Batman doing his little head tilt like you normally do. So. Um, that, that's sort of my problem with the George Clooney Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we got Batflick now. Okay. This goes back to, do you have faith in Zack Snyder? Right. Um, now the, the this all came about, uh, the whole Superman versus Batman during the real comic con. Uh, it was announced that they were doing another Superman movie and the theme for that one, they brought out, the Dark Knight Rises, and they said, you know, we're going to do it based off of this, and someone read out the line where Batman says, you know, I want you to always remember this, my you know, hand at your throat, where he's basically threatening Superman and telling him that, realistically, he's the only person on the planet, Batman, who can take out Superman, right? Mm-hmm. And then after that, they went through a variety of casting choices. My pick was Josh Brolin. I think Josh Brolin... Because they wanted an aged, seasoned veteran actor, a, a, a someone who would play a an older Batman who's been around for a while. And my pick was Josh Brolin. He's in good physical shape, and I think he can bring that level of seriousness and that level of um, intensity to the character. Mm-hmm. But to everyone's sh- surprise, they announced Ben Affleck. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to get your reaction to that what do you feel about ben affleck being cast so my initial reaction was one of of intense surprise and i'm like really ben affleck but then actually i as it turns out i don't i'm not i'm not actually that disturbed by it to tell you the truth um i i'm desperately hoping that they don't go back to the uh to to, to the weird yeah uh the weird styles that they had for a while back back day the kind of the more 
throwback to Adam West versions, but I don't think they're going to. Um, I don't think Zack Snyder's going to go in that direction. So I'm I'm actually not that bothered by it. I'm actually more concerned about them redoing, like continuing that that storyline they said in Superman because. I watched Superman. We, we got the Man of Steel Blu-ray, and I watched it again, and then I watched Avengers. Avengers is far and ahead better, a you know, a better movie than Man of Steel. Right, right. Man of Steel is terrible. Right. I, I was definitely not a fan of Man of Steel. I think we talked about that before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just not not fun. And yeah. So we, when you asked before, do you trust Zack Snyder? Uh, not. Not based on Man of Steel. No. Um, <laughs> so. Which is odd because he did so well with Watchmen. Yeah. He he really did. He, I think I, I know everyone's already said that Alan Moore's Watchmen is like impossible to do in cinema, but I think he did a perfect job. And I, I think that it's surprising how good Watchmen was and how bad Man of Steel was. Yeah, I, I was yeah not a fan, so I'm not quite sure. The other thing, did you see that uh, Warner Brothers has apparently registered a bunch of uh, trademarked a bunch of names that are potentially the name for this? Movie? Yeah, the 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 you know the uh, Night Falls and stuff like that. The uh, I, I I saw all those. None of them really piqued my interest. Yeah, exactly. Let's see, there, uh, Man of Steel, Battle of the Night, Man of Steel, Beyond Darkness. Man of Steel, Black of Night, Man of Steel, Darkness Falls, Man of Steel, The Blackest Hour, The Darkness Within, you know, and so on and so on. All, all relative, yeah, Night Falls. So I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't. None mm, of them sound good. Yeah, none of them sound really good. So I, it, I, I think that in order for this film to be a success, there's a few things they need to do. One, Batman needs to address the sheer volume of destruction that Superman caused, right? Mm-hmm. He needs to point out that A, Superman needs to think about. The uh, it's, it, it's citizens first before you know he does a fight, right? The, he he needs to lecture Clark or or berate him or do something about the amount of destruction he let happen to Metropolis, right? He should have done you know lecture him about trying to pull the fight out of the main city, whatever, right? I really want to see a thing where he just really takes him to task for really the piss poor job he did in defending the city. Right. Two, they're talking about doing Lex Luthor again. That's going to be one of the villains in the movies. Now, Lex Luthor is a difficult character to do because you need to get the right person. The best name that I've heard floated is Brian Cranston, to which I would completely agree with. Let's see. Brian Cranston. Who, who has he? What has he done? Breaking Bad. He's, oh, he's, he's yeah, Walter duh. White. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. Brian Cranston. Duh. Yeah, that yeah. would be really interesting. Because I think he would bring a level of authenticity and intensity to the yeah. Lex Luthor character. Because here's the problem. Lex Luthor has always been done as just goofy. The Gene Hackman character, mm-hmm. he had that whole thing where he's, you know, more like, you know, Roger Rabbit or, or um, um, you know, Bugs Bunny and stuff. He's not really like a villain per se. He's not a thinking villain. He's like, you know, yeah, I got you now, Superman. And mm-hmm. that whole dumb thing about, you know, land, it's the only thing people aren't making anymore. And then Kevin Spacey just did another caricature of that Right. And and you need to have the thinking character. You need to have someone who's like, you know what? I can't beat Superman, um, you know, head to head. Yeah. I have to, I have to outthink him. And then what Brian Cranston does as he as he comes in as Lex Luthor, he makes Superman public enemy number one for the destruction he caused. Right. You really need to bring that to task and bring that to light, because if it starts out the movie and they don't address like half the city being destroyed, it's going to take me completely out of the film. Yeah, the other name that I've seen interested in the part is Michael Rosenbaum. 
No way. Yeah, apparently he he tweeted about it at one point that he would love to play Lex Luthor again. I thought he was done with that. I thought he got tired of, of having his head shaved, and that's yeah, why he swore appar- off the role forever after that. Yeah, apparently. Well, he I think he, yeah he had said he wanted to, but I, you know that was a few months ago. So who knows what's happened since then? Yeah, that's true. So uh, I, I think that it can be done right, but it's going to be difficult. And I, like I said, I don't have faith that my faith is my faith isn't shattered by Ben Affleck. Like, if yeah, you, I agree. Yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. Ben Affleck to me wasn't a big deal. It's the other stuff that's, <laughs> that's and that's me. the key because if you look at two movies that Ben Affleck has done, number one Argo, number one The Town, you combine those two characters from those two films, that is effectively Batman, right? The intensity, the stoicism, the you know the physicality of it all. Um, you know, in 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 uh, Argo, he's very much a thinking, calculating, um, manipulating character. Uh, in uh, uh, the the town, it's that physicality, that that intensity, and and that's you know I think those two roles combined that that makes Batman, and I think he can do that just fine. So my point is is I'm not. Uh, I don't find Ben Affleck to be a problem. And everyone points to Daredevil like, oh, God, he ruined Daredevil. Trust me. Daredevil, Ben Affleck and Daredevil, that was not the problem with Daredevil. Yeah, I agree. Daredevil was the problem with Daredevil. Right. That whole – whoever was directing that did obviously didn't have a specific vision. The fact that, that Bullseye had his Bullseye branded into his forehead and someone let Colin Farrell off the chain, right – and go just hog wild with that character was was problem number one, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't blame Daredevil on, on Ben Affleck whatsoever. Someone obviously was not didn't have a goal in mind with that film, and it just went all over the place. Right, yeah, but yeah, same here. I mean, I, I did not have nearly the negative reactions that people did about Ben Affleck. I think Ben Affleck's a fine actor, so that's not – I'm not too worried about that. Yeah, I completely agree. So I think only time will tell. Mm-hmm. And and I know that from Marvel's perspective, they know that after proving that Avengers is such a hot commodity, doing these huge collaborative films, everybody wants to get a piece of that pie now. Mm-hmm. So we have they're, – they're planning Justice League, and this is the intro into trying to do a Justice League movie. Mm-hmm. We have the X-Men film coming out, X-Men um, Days of Future Past, and that's yeah. their big collaboration, and they're hoping to make a, just a – Bucket full of cash off of that. Mm-hmm. And then have you heard about Spider-Man? No, I haven't. They're planning to do the Sinister Six. Are they really? So in the next Spider-Man movie, they're going to introduce a bunch of villains that aren't actually the main villain. Jamie Foxx is playing Electro, but you're going to see Rhino, Norman Osborn. I hear rumors that Vulture might be in there, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But the goal is to do a Sinister Six film. So everyone, everyone wants a piece of the Avengers pie, and you're going to see these much larger collaborative films. Now, whether or not we'll see more of them depends on how well they do. Right. Now, I have a confession to make. I actually haven't seen the new Spider-Man. Not at all. Uh, to be honest, you're not missing much. All right. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I mean, so. it's an okay movie, but I, after I saw it, I was like, yeah, I mean, that's a lot like the Tobey Maguire one. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's better CGI, better graphics, but uh, nothing new under the sun. Yeah, so we'll see how that how that goes. Because yeah, I don't I I didn't find it like a must see. You know, there's movies that you absolutely have to see when they go out, and that one I didn't think it was. So did you hear about the controversy with Andrew Garfield on that one? No, what happened? Andrew Garfield, he's an actor's actor, right? To which I completely understand, but mm-hmm. but you have to understand your audience a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I have no problem with this, but a lot of people rallied against it. He wanted to make Spider-Man gay. He wanted to move away from the Gwen Stacy romantic interest, and he wanted to 
uh, make Spider-Man gay. And he specifically named an actor, uh, was it Anthony Mackie, the guy who's playing Falcon in Winter Soldier? He specifically named an actor that he thought would be good for the romantic interest, and everyone was like, whoa, 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 you can't make Spider-Man gay. And, I mean, I, I get it. Um, I, I got no problem with that. That That's fine. I mean, I, I felt that it was kind of weak sauce that they made uh, the alternate universe Alan Scott gay. They were like, that was DC's like big thing. Like, we have a gay character, and it's like a not a main character in another universe. And I was like, yeah, that's not really, I don't really count that. Right. Make uh make Aquaman gay. Cause that, you know, that, that works. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah. So a lot of people were really upset about that. Huh? No, I hadn't, I hadn't heard any about that. Yeah. Yeah. That is odd. I mean, they did make they did make Spider Man gay, or at least one of one of the Ultimate Spider Man. I think he's gay again. Uh, another alternate yeah. universe, and that's not even Peter Parker Spider Man. Right. That's right. the new Spider Man who's half black, half Latino. Right. So, well, of, course, of course, Peter Parker isn't Spider Man anymore. So, no. For those of you, so are we transitioning into comic book stuff now? Uh, well, we can mention this, and we'll go back to some other movies. Okay. Uh, yeah. So uh, basically. Um, Otto Octavius, who is Doc Ock, um, did a brain swap with Spider-Man. Doc Ock was dying of a degenerative disease at the time, and so Peter Parker died, uh, spoilers, in Doc Ock's body, and Dr. Octavius is now surviving in Peter Parker's body. So it's still Spider-Man's body, but it's not his brain, and and now there's a lot of pressure on Doc Ock to carry on. Because, like, I think, like, like uh, Dr. Octavius, you know, was like, you know, oh, what are your dying words? And he's like, I, I forgive you. Doc Ock's like, huh? And and Spider-Man said, you know, my only wish is for you to carry on my legacy and, and do well. And so Dr. Octavius now is trying to do that. Um, it's it's a story about redemption. I know the comic book fans are really upset about the spiritual death of, of Peter Parker. And I can understand. I mean, there are tons of people upset when Superman died. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, they're going to bring him back. Right. Sure. It's, right. It's it's just it's a matter of time. Sp- uh, Superman stayed dead for a year. Right. Right. So I, I give Spider-Man at most. I think they might keep him dead for two years. Right. Uh, what remember the saying though? There's there's no permanent deaths in hall in in comics except for uh, Bucky and Barry Allen. Uh, but they brought them both back. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's, <laughs> but uh, that's, no, that's, kind of, that's the joke. I thought it was Bucky and Jason Todd. I mean, uh, I, I maybe I don't. I, that's I'd heard the I'd heard it the other way. But yeah, everybody everybody has been brought back at this time. But some people multiple times. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, going back to movies, uh, I assume you saw Thor two. Nope. You have not seen Thor two. Okay. Well, then I'm not going to give you any spoilers. We lost our babysitter. Oh. Um, uh... So uh, for the first uh, three months, Beck's mother was here helping us out, and we actually got to see movies on a regular basis. She was more than happy. She 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 established this bad thing where Grayson falls would fall asleep on her. So now he's only really comfortable napping during the day if he's napping on somebody. Oh, great. So that's that's made napping a lot more interesting for yep. for him. Um, but she loved taking care of him, right? And so we could easily, you know, pop out and see a movie and come back. But now that we lost her, we, you know, it's going to be a while before we can go out and see a movie again. So we're planning on seeing Thor when we get to Australia. Don't get me wrong, I've heard really good stuff about it. Um, and uh, like shockingly, Matt and Scott were talking about how they feel it was the best Marvel movie released yet, that it holds up the best out of any of the Marvel movies. Yes, I disagree with them. Uh, I think uh, I think it's okay. I didn't think it was as good as they thought. I thought it was okay. Um, but one thing I will tell you all is uh, there are two 
there are two after the credit credit thing, so you yes. have to make sure to save for both of them. Yes, I've I've heard about them, and so yeah, it's but that's with like any Marvel movie, you got to stay past the credits because they yeah. they love putting a little Easter egg stuff in there. Yeah, yeah, and this Easter egg was particularly interesting, and I think probably one of them will tie into Guardians of the Galaxy, but we'll talk about that another time. Yes. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, one thing I want to say that I got to see when I went to go see Thor two is, and I know you've seen this, is the extended uh, Captain America advertisement. Holy crap, doesn't that look good? It looks really good. They did a really great job with this ad, because now I really want to see this movie. And Captain, I am shocked yeah. at how good... Because, let's be honest, out of all the properties, yeah. I think Captain America is kind of the dullest. I agree. Yeah. Um, I have this conversation with Beck all the time, because Captain America and Thor... Okay, wait. I forgot. I have to say I'm not including Hawkeye because I, I forgot about him. Uh, but yeah, out of the movies they've made, Captain America is, I think, the dullest. Okay, yeah, good good, good correction there. Um, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Hawkeye, but uh, we'll, we'll stick with the movies made. Yeah. So Captain America and Thor came out around the same time, the same year. And uh, I, I, we, my wife and I kind of get into not an argument, but discussion on which one is better. She thinks Thor is a better movie, and I have to agree, I have to agree from an overall perspective. Thor is a better movie. They do a better storytelling. The villain of Loki is much better established and and has much more realistic um, goals and aspirations. The only thing I argue though is I think the hero arc. The, the overall character arc of the hero is better in Captain America. You see Steve Rogers actually evolve from the little weakling he is into the, the hero he is over time, and I think that's a much better story. In Thor, he gets drunk with Stellan Skarsgård one night and wakes up, and he's like, I'm not a douchebag. Let me make eggs for everyone. I am now a nice guy, right? And that was my big problem with Thor, that for all the good stuff about it, his like transition into being a you know not a selfish you know uh, glory hound into being a selfless you know hero was very short mm-hmm. it was doing shots with Stellan Skarsgård and getting drunk and waking up the next morning and he's like boom I'm a nice guy now I mean to be fair that made you a better man as well yeah it really did um and I got married because of it too now uh but so that's my only beef with Thor. So we, we have the, the next Phase 2 coming out of Marvel, right? Yep. Oddly enough, Iron Man 3 seems kind of disconnected from everything. It right? does, yeah. Um, and, and we've already covered Iron Man 3 and our disappointment. Although, going back to movie news, have you heard about the retcon they're going to do with Iron Man 3? They're, no, they're going to do a retcon? I hadn't heard about that at all. So um, Sir Ben Kingsley revealed, and it's actually been confirmed, that he got pulled out to do some additional shooting for Marvel, uh, one of their little short films that they do. Uh-huh. Um, do you see the short film about uh, uh, Peggy Carter? That no, they did? I, no, I heard that it came out, but I hadn't seen it. It's actually really good. I think you should watch it. Okay, uh, and it so I think it's – I don't I don't remember. It might be on the Avengers DVD or, mm-hmm. or Blu-ray. But um, so uh, Ben Kingsley uh, mentioned that he did one of those for Marvel, and it got leaked. And, and this isn't confirmed yet, but there, the it got leaked that the story is that in prison, his character – I forget what the name is – um, gets um, confronted by the real Mandarin, who's pissed that him and um, the the other character um, tarnished his name, mm-hmm. right? So that the implication is that there really is a Mandarin, and they were simply using his name, and he's pissed about it, and he's out like getting revenge or something. That is strange. Right. So I, I think, and from what I read, Marvel's doing it because of the sheer volume of negative reaction people had to the the twist of the the uh, Mandarin character. That is odd. I have to find that. I'll, I'll look. Oh, yeah. I guess it's leaked, so it's going to be coming out on something. I assume. Yeah, I think it's coming out. It's it's not on the Iron Man, so it's got to be coming out like on either the Thor or Captain America Blu-rays when they eventually come out. Cool. 
So I will check that out. Yeah. So back to, to so yeah so so out of all all the Marvel properties in Phase One, um, Captain America was kind of dull. Um, he was serviceable in Avengers. I mean, I, I enjoyed him, and he had some good you know you know um, lines in there and stuff. But really, Avengers was kind of stolen by the Hulk, right? Iron Man. And even Thor, I mean, like Thor's little interaction with the Hulk, right? So right. all those characters really had their, their moments of glory. And Captain yep. America was kind of like, eh, he had a few moments, but not as, as epic as the others. Right. Fast forward to today, that Captain America trailer blew my mind. Yeah, it's great. And it's and it's such a different story. I mean, at least from what we see so far, it's a much, you know, it's a big story. Big things happen because in the trailer, this isn't a huge wealth people. You see like the, the shield carrier crash and all kinds of things. But it also seems to be a lot more you know, person centered or a lot, I don't know, it, it, a lot more intrigue and, and such and action. And yeah, I was really impressed with that trailer. And I like, was action- wondering when they were going to crash a shield carrier. Of course. Yeah. They do it in the comics all the time. Right. Yeah. They had to, there's no, no question. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I thought, I thought that it really made me want to see the movie. I was, I was actually more excited by that trailer than the Thor trailer. By now, a lot. Have you heard about the criticism of the trailer though? No, it's not actually criticism of the trailer, but a lot of people are upset because they're pointing it to what they feel the Shield series should have been. Uh, they're saying the look and feel of that trailer is what the Shield series should have been, and that they're upset about that. Because let's be honest, have you been keeping up with Shield? No, it's all on my DVR. Um, not good. Getting better, but the first episodes are kind of painful. That's I've heard I've heard that I've heard that uh, that uh, it's taking a while to get established, but that it is getting better. But yeah, I, I so I'm not uh, I'm not going in with huge expectations at this point. Yeah, you shouldn't. And and remember, I want people to to, to well, you don't have to, but I called it um, a couple episodes ago when, before the series had premiered. I I had voiced some concerns that based off of the previews I had seen, I was like, eh, doesn't look like it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. So I I kind of felt just from what they I'd seen. Here's my concern, and, and you can like watch it and tell me your impressions. It feels like Joss Whedon is trying to prove something with the format about Firefly being canceled. Because the series is about a group of misfits on a plane, flying around, solving problems. Right? I, I don't know. Do they ever get to smuggle anything? Um... I don't know. I think they do. <laughs> one of them... Well, a few of them... One of them smuggles stuff. Oh, there you go. Um... But it has that Firefly feel that that it's got a, a group of misfit characters on a plane that everyone you know that that the characters are very attached to, mm-hmm. right? And and they establish sort of a, a family feeling and stuff. I don't, I don't know. It just felt like it's part of it is like just uh, Joss Whedon like throwing the finger to Fox, like you know, see the model can work, mm-hmm. right? It, trying to relive past glories rather than do something new and original. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I yeah, I, I have to watch it. I'm hoping to watch it over vacation. Watch uh, it and give me your opinion. Tell me if I'm completely off base or if I'm if I'm on something there because I, I feel like that's that's part of the inspiration and in what's driving the series and also what's kind of dragging it down. Gotcha. All right, I'll do that. Any other movie news? Um, I was going to mention that uh, Hayao Miyazaki has announced his retirement. Uh, I don't know if you saw that. Well, he's announced it before, so people are dubious to it. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, he's saying now that his final film is The Wind Rises, which uh, trailers are out for, but I haven't seen yet. Now, Hopefully. he is going to keep working on stuff, but he says yes. that he's going to just work on like manga stuff. He's not yes. going to do any more animation films. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I saw as well. Then let me tell you, this guy is, is – if you've never seen – a Miyazaki film, you really should. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of great ones out there. Most people 
their intro into it was Princess Mononoke because I think that was one of the first major releases here in the United States and actual like an actual theatrical release. Right. Um, there's a ton of great ones. Um, the uh, Spirited Away. Spirited Away is great. Is my favorite. Spirited yeah. Away. What was the uh, Porco Rosso? Was that Porco one? Rosso was one an, an older one that they eventually re- they released everything Studio Ghibli yeah. did because Disney acquired it at, at some point. Kiki's uh, Delivery Service. Kiki's which Delivery Service. You uh, hear the, they're the, making into a live action movie. I did. I did hear that. Yeah. Uh, the the one that uh, the one that a lot of people see and that a lot of uh, that is it is great. It's a great movie and it's it's directed towards towards kids, but it's still a great movie. I mean, they all are to a certain extent. But uh, Totoro. Uh, the funny thing about Totoro is one of the places I used to um, teach at, um, uh, I think it was Yonozu back in Japan. Mm-hmm. Somebody had put up a Totoro um, like a like a cardboard cutout thing, mm-hmm. like a, a life size thing of Totoro, like in the middle of the village, and nobody knew who did it, and it was just there. That is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Totoro is great. Uh, Spirited Away is great. They did Howl's Moving Castle, uh, which was fun. Uh, very different from the uh, young adult fantasy book it's based on, but still it was a fun movie. But yeah, my favorite by far is Spirited Away. Um, I love how the Miyazaki films really celebrate the older style Japan. Mm-hmm. They really focus on the small village living. Um, and, and if, you know, uh, so Holly knows this, you know, things in, in, in village life in Japan is a little slower, a little calmer, mm-hmm. a little bit more laid back than most of, of the rest of Japan. And there's a lot of truth to, to the Miyazaki films where they're not as into like the high speed internet or the super cell phones and stuff. And, and that's one of the things I really love about the Miyazaki films is that, that, you know, respect and, and, and honoring of that, that kind of, um, older lifestyle, which, yeah. which is very prevalent still in, in certain areas of Japan. Right. And of course, that reminded me of the other movie, Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind, which was yeah. another pretty famous movie of his. Yeah. Um, yeah so that'll be interesting. I, I haven't see, I, I'm looking forward to see what he does uh, with The Wind Rises and then uh, if, see what happens with Studio Ghibli once he's no longer active in that part. They're going to have somebody take over. Yeah, they definitely do. I mean, they, they've been needing someone to take over because isn't Miyazaki like 82 now? Yeah. 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 So I mean, he's done great stuff, and and I think he will go down in history. Here's my my thing. He's going to go down in history like John Williams will, right? John Williams, when you at a certain point in the future, when you look up, you know, the the greatest composers uh, throughout history, you'll see you know Bach, Mozart. You'll see John Williams in there, right? And and I think when you do the same type of look up for like you know classic storytellers and stuff like that, you'll find Miyazaki in there. Right. right. Yeah, definitely. Consistently good. Consistently mm-hmm. produces great material. No, no Indiana Jones going through a nuclear explosion in a lead-lined refrigerator for him. Right. Yes. <laughs> that is true. So, yeah, I, I think that's one of the great things about him is he's a consistently really good storyteller. I agree. Um, anything else? Uh, that's it for me with movies at the moment. Would you like to trans- transition to video games, television? What do you want to talk about next? Television. Television. So we have covered, um, we have covered Shield, and I think we've said everything, everything we need to. You need yep. to watch it so we can cover it some more. Yep. Um, Arrow. Have you been keeping up with Arrow? I have not, but I was just going to mention that because I, I do have the Blu-ray of the first season, and I have some of the second ones recorded, but I have read about some stuff that's coming up with Arrow. Uh, how do you think it's been going? Holy crap! Is it good? That's exactly what I've heard, and I'm also very excited. That the Flash is apparently going to be coming out, and he's going to get his own series. And apparently, the pilot—they were going to do a thing where 
they introduce him in like episodes eight and nine, and then yeah. at the end of the series they're gonna like do the Flash thing, and they're like, you know what? We they filmed the pilot for the Flash already, and the executives were so blown away about it, they're like, you know what? Screw it. We're not gonna launch him in episode twenty. We're gonna. I think they're gonna try and do a mid-season launch for him or something. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard as well, and I'm so excited by that because I love the Flash. Now here's the really dumb thing. Arrow is great. They do mm-hmm. a great job of bringing in canon characters, right? They brought in the Bronze Claw. They got Deathstroke, the Terminator, Deadshot, mm-hmm. Huntress. They brought in tons and tons of canon characters. Dollmaker. Um, they brought in Black Canary. Uh, they brought in Ra's al Ghul. They're bringing in... Um, really? Yeah. They, yeah they, awesome. Uh, they're bringing in his daughter, not Talia, but uh, I think her name is... Um, oh, his other daughter. Wow. Yeah. I, they're doing and, – and here's the really weird thing. Some of these are Batman characters, like Batman yeah. villains. And I was like, are you sure you guys don't want it to be doing a Batman series? But it's it's going so well. They're doing such a good job storytelling with it that the main character, the guy who plays Arrow, he was like, hey, you guys are doing a Justice League movie. Would you like to bring me in? Because I would love to be in the Justice League movie. Uh-huh. And DC is deciding not to – combine their television series with their cinematic universe and that is a mistake why no they need to that is a mistake that is absolutely a mistake not to combine them it is because that's what marvel's doing right yeah if you're you're really taking a page out of the marvel because here's the thing let's be honest from from my perspective the marvel cinematic universe absolutely great the marvel television universe absolutely trash right well not trash that's a hard thing to say but the, the the agents of shield is not good compared to the quality of their cinematic universe for dc the opposite is true i feel like for dc their television stuff is really good right now but their their cinema stuff their 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 movie stuff is not as good since they lost the nolan universe mm-hmm. i think it's all just kind of dropped from there right yeah i i'm astonished that they made that decision because really they i mean it it helps create this entire immersive world if you have everything joining up together the way marvel's done and done really well in in a lot of ways i i think the smart thing would have been brought to bring in the arrow guy because he loves playing arrow that guy loves from from everything i've read about him he's into the comics he's into the character he loves playing it bring him in you don't even have to have him in there um, for a, a long period of time. I'm, I know they're worried about the Hawkeye effect, but uh, honestly, that guy has done enough of his own stunts and he's done enough mm-hmm. of stuff in Arrow that he's got the cred to not be another Hawkeye. Yeah. Um, that you bring him in and bring in some of the characters that they worked with and, and on the uh, the movie and stuff like that, or on the TV show, and that TV show will just explode and have just millions of viewers, right? It's already one of the strongest properties on CW. Good. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, and so... I I think it's a mistake. I think because Arrow is so good and is doing so well how they're weaving the storylines. They, they constantly tell the present and the past storylines. And it's – yeah, I, I think that it's a big mistake not to interweave the cinematic and the television universe. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think – yeah, I think that's a mistake. And yeah, especially I love it when an actor is into the character like that also. Uh, like you've talked about Hugh Jackman and Wolverine before. I think that's great. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I, they should really take advantage of the enthusiasm, I think, of, of these folks for those parts. They're already talking about uh, – Mangold and, and Hugh Jackman are already talking about doing another Wolverine. And, and, <laughs> and Hugh Jackman is all for it. And he says the only thing that he wants to be really careful of is get the right story. He felt, he feels like there was a, a misstep with um, X-Men Origins Wolverine, and, and, and he's right. Um, not a highlight in that story's career, but he, was, he said that for him – the Wolverine character is like a close brother that he feels like he needs to kind of be the guardian of now. And I was like, you know what? That's perfectly valid. Mm-hmm. 
right? And so, you know, he will keep playing Wolverine until, you know, he's either not able to because he's too old or the fans don't want him to, and I think that's the perfect attitude. I mean, if you think about it, he's done like seven movies now as Wolverine. Yeah. That's crazy. Yep, he's done a ton. Yeah. So, yeah, do you think Do you think anyone else can ever take over that character? Uh, someday when, you know, when, pe- when, when people like us are older yeah, and there's a new generation who's never really seen him, yeah. but not, not in the near future. So, uh, yeah. So arrow still, I think is going really strong. I think the second season awesome. is even stronger than the first season. That's exciting to hear. Good. Um, they even changed the intro. So he's no longer motivated by his father. He's now motivated by the death of his friend. So you can already see that there's a dynamic aspect at play here. Wait, his friend dies. I'm just kidding. I already knew that. <laughs> I haven't seen Spoilers! it, but, but, I, but I knew that. Um, any other big uh, TV news from you, your side? So uh, I was just going to mention that again. Haven't had a lot of chance to watch TV this semester, but there are there's there's three shows that are on my DVR that I want to see besides the Agents of Shield. One of them is Sleepy Hollow. Uh, I I've heard like some people really like it, some people really dislike it, uh, but some people that I trust their opinions really liked it. So I need to definitely need to check it out. Um, Tomorrow People? Are you familiar with that at all? Yeah, because I've seen the previews for it from um, Arrow. Yeah, so that was one that uh, a couple of people I know have been watching and liking it, but not as many people. I haven't heard anything about it, but the people who I know who've seen it really liked it. Uh, American Horror Story is one that I want to see. I saw the first season. I enjoyed the first season. Didn't see the second season. Didn't see the third season. Jim's watching it and uh, and and liking it, and some other folks are also watching that. So those are the three things on my DVR that I need to watch one of these days uh, besides Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I'm going to have a busy holiday, hopefully. So we watched um, Sleepy Hollow, mm-hmm. and at first I kind of liked it, but then like the main character, he said this weird thing where he's talking about him and the female character, and he's like, there's a prophecy that two people will spend seven years fighting the forces of evil, and I was like, seven years? You're really hoping for a long series, aren't you guys? <laughs> right? You're really – you might be overselling your, your stability because – it's it's by the fringe people and and fringe did really well for the first couple seasons but they really petered out and they barely made that fifth season right and so I'm kind of worried it's it's following the the X Files um like a uh, format right, right. Mm-hmm. um where it's a freak of the week you know what horrible like supernatural thing rather than science thing what horrible supernatural thing is happening today. Um, and I think that that has its place but it, it, it's really hard for staying power. Right, so we'll we'll see. It's it, it takes good strong writing to make that work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we will see that. Now, here's my one of my more preferred series right now. Um, I, I've got two that I'm really enjoying. A Blacklist. I don't even know what that is. You don't know what that is? No. Oh my god. Um, so you know who's playing the voice of um, Ultron in uh, the Avengers two, right? Was that confirmed? Yeah, James Spader. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he is playing in this uh, TV series called The Blacklist, where he is this um, expatriate, um, ex-CIA who's gone rogue guy who trades national secrets. He's like the most wanted person by the FBI and the CIA. Mm-hmm. And he comes in voluntarily, and he says, I will only work with this person. And he's it's a re- recruit, a cadet, right? Mm-hmm. And he's saying, I can provide you guys with the worst people in the world, a.k.a. my blacklist, and we can take them down. They don't trust them. They want to take him to prison and put him away for, for eons and ages because he's done such horrible things and traded so many secrets. Right. Um, but you find out that he will he can actually help like stop you know bombings and stuff like that. Uh, and and it, 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 some of it gets a little bit formulaic, but 
here's the saving grace. James Spader, as that character, is so good, he sells the entire series by himself. They can get rid of every character. Like tonight, just before you and I came to, to do the podcast, he had a monologue. Some guy, you know, some guy's trying to kill him, and he's like locked away in this like uh, sealed safe, and the guy's gonna try and blow it up. And this this one this guy this guy is um, bleeding to death in the safe with him, and it's a guy who whose job was to try and catch him. Mm-hmm. Um, five years ago, he spent you know years and years trying to catch James Spader, and he never could. It became an obsession for him, and now his job is to protect James Spader since he's providing all this information and he's kind of very conflicted about it. Mm-hmm. And, and he's asking James Spader, you know, how do you know you're not going to die of this guy? And he goes off on this amazing monologue about wanting to drink wine again in France and wanting to dance with the, the, the jazz band again, wanting to do this, you know, feel the sun on his face, all these beautiful things. And then his face turns this like, just the saddest face I've ever seen. And he's like, but you know what I mostly want? I want to sleep. I want to sleep like I was a boy again, to sleep with no fears and no demons beneath my bed. And it was so compelling and so beautiful for a, uh, let's be honest. You don't get this kind of good drama on network television. You only see this like on AMC or the cable shows Mm -hmm. where they really do non formulaic drama like the walking dead, like breaking bad or, or mad men. So, that level of, of dramaticism on, on a network show was just shocking, and it was really good. So it's it's on a network? Yeah, I forget if it's uh, NBC or CBS, but it's on one of those. Interesting. No, I had not heard about that. It's on yeah. NBC. Yeah. yeah. And then the second show that you, you have to watch because it's really good, Being Human. I have heard of that one. So that stars Carl uh, uh, Urban um, right. of, of uh, Riddick and Star Trek fame. He played Bones on Star Trek, the, the new movies. And it's got a Blade Runner feel to it. And the he, Carl Urban plays a guy who, who is a cop in the future. Technology is kind of getting away with us. And all cops now have replicants or, or androids with them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, or they call them simulants, I think. Um, yes, I can see the Blade Runner influence. Yeah. He, was, he was Dread, right, Carl Urban? Yes, yes he was Dread. Okay, okay cool. Um, and, and Dread has a uh, – not Dread. Uh, Carl Urban's character – um, hate simulants for for some reason. I, I I didn't catch all of the the first episode, but he has a real hate on for for simulants. And simulants are very stoic and static. You know, there's like oh, that's it's kind of spockish. Like there's a 12.5 percent chance of blah 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 blah. Um, and so he gets so pissed off at his simulant that he pushes him out of the car, and and the simulant gets hit by a truck and run over. Right. And he goes back to the office. And he's like, I'm going to need a replacement. They're like, What happened to your other one? He's like, Eh. Um. <laughs> and so they don't have any left. Uh, and they give him uh, an older model that was um, uh, a retired model because it was felt it was unstable, and it was an attempt to make an emotional stimulant. Mm-hmm. And the simu- uh, the stimulant is actually like more emotional than he is because you know he's kind of killed off his emotions to a certain degree. There's a certain amount of like post traumatic stress disorder to him. Sure. And the stimulant is actually becoming like really like therapeutic for him. Mm-hmm. And and even though he still kind of has this hate on for for stimulants. Over the episodes, you actually see him start to interact with a simulant in a way that you would only interact with a real person, like a real partner, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of – they tease each other. There's practical jokes played on each other. Um, at one point, Carl Urban begs him to stop scanning his testicles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. That is a, that is a, a, a phrase that they was used in a network television show. He was like, please, please never scan my testicles again. Oh, this is this is uh, on Sci-Fi, right? Um, I don't think this is on Sci-Fi. I think this I is. On, it was. Um, I, I'd have to look it up. Okay. But um, we have the internet at our hands. I will look it up. But all right. 
it, it's really good. I think the first episode maybe drags just a little bit, but every episode after that is just gold. That is awesome. No, I, yeah, I've heard good things about it. But uh, uh, you're right; it is on Sci-Fi. That's cool. No, that's being human. No, that's, that's the oh, that's the other. What is this one called then? Uh, what is this one called? I had it wrong. I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, almost, almost human. Almost human. There we go. Yes. I was close. I was one yes. off. Yes. Almost human, and that is on on Fox. On Fox. There we go. Cool. So yeah. See, watch that. I I know your plate is already full of stuff to watch. That's okay, but that that's that's one that I'll have to add to the list. Yeah, that was one that I hadn't realized it had started yet. I'd heard about it before, uh, and it's and J.J. Abrams is associated with it, right? He is. Yeah, so that that should be interesting. So good. All right. Back to, to movie news for a little bit. Have you heard the controversy behind J.J. Abrams and Star Wars? Which controversy? They they kicked out the writer for Episode Seven, and now J.J. Abrams is just doing it himself with another dude. No, I didn't. Why did they kick him out? Um, it's being kind of hush hush right now. Nobody's talking about it, but mm-hmm. but yeah, the the original writer's been kicked off, and and they're they're and so Disney's really putting him under the gun to get it done by um, I think they want it by 2014. Wow, that is fast. Um, and and they're pushing for late 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So yeah, that's that's sort of the the big news there. Wow. Yeah. Uh, New TV news. I had two things that I thought were interesting that I'm going to keep an eye out on. One is that uh, Guillermo del Toro has has a book series out called The Strain, and they've ordered uh, 13 episodes of that. So apparently it's it's a vampire novel where essentially vampires take over the world. I believe is is the main premise of that of the. I've only read the first part of the book, uh, but yeah. So that is actually going to be coming to television. Yeah, that has been confirmed. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. And the other one is. Um, Monty Python uh, is doing a reunion show. Did you hear about that? Sold out in 42 seconds. Yes, sold out in 42 seconds, the and, original arena. Thing. And the funny thing is, it was uh, it was sold as one night only, the return of Monty Python. Sold out yep. in 42 seconds, and they said, okay, it'll be three nights only. Yeah, sold, <laughs> and that sold out in like a few minutes, in like yeah. two, two, three minutes also. So it was like, wow, that was really, that's really interesting. I think they underestimated how popular Monty Python still I, is. I think they did. They definitely think Because we did. went to the re-release of uh, The Holy Grail and that thing was packed. Yeah. Yeah. So that is, that is awesome. Oh, uh, the other thing that happened at Wizard World Comic Con, of course, is that that, uh, here in Austin, that's, that was at the same time that the new Doctor Who special came out. Hmm. I and saw it. What do you think? Um, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, if, are we gonna have spoilers, or should we wait till till people have a chance to see it? Oh, I mean, ah, let's do spoilers. I'm fine with that. So, spoilers. If you don't want to hear about Doctor Who Day of the Doctor, stop now. Um, and uh, yeah, let's just uh, let's talk about it. So, one thing that I I am I am happy with is that they re- the the retcon that that went on during that because one of the things that I. I I do. I like the new series of Doctor Who. One of the things that kind of disturbed me was the weirdness having to do with the Doctor having basically killed off the Time Lords, mm-hmm. and uh, and that got retconned in this. That was uh, and and that as it turns out, he didn't. He locked them in time, uh, or something like that, which makes me think that uh, we might be seeing Gallifrey again, which would be very cool. And I think that's what uh, the next season will will focus on. The one with uh, being headed up by Peter Capaldi. I think that's the. The Christmas episode will will start to dip into that, mm-hmm. and we'll kick that off. And then Matt Smith is is going to retire. Yep. Um. And so we know we know he's going to die in the uh, the next series. Um. And then uh, yeah, Peter Capaldi will be taken off. And you actually see Peter Capaldi 
in the Day of the Doctor real briefly. Because mm-hmm. they talk about the guys in Gallifrey, they're like, oh god, there's there's 12 of them. They're like, no, there's 13. And you see someone like shift up on a little lever, and you see Peter Capaldi's eyes real briefly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but that's all you see of him, right? So, so they talk about the 13th Doctor. And the funny thing is, is when they talk about the Doctors, they're not actually referring to John Hurt as the 10th Doctor. So they're still using the same numerical like numbering system for the, right. the Doctors, which is right. kind of weird to me. Right, because he's not a doctor, they said. Yeah, I uh, think it's, it's kind of it's kind of a weird kludge there that they did. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I think it was really uh, a miss. I think Eccleston should have been there. I I so wish Eccleston had been there. Yeah. Well, he was right. offered a major role. Right. right. So they really wanted it to be Eccleston, Tennant, and Smith. Mm-hmm. He was offered it. He turned it down. Right. So it just been end up being Tennant and Smith, mm-hmm. um, with John Hurt. And then they did a whole bunch of CGI to bring in all the doctors. It ended with all the doctors looking over Gallifrey. Um, it was very sweet. Did you see the special that was done? I haven't seen that yet, no. Um, so they did a special with um, Peter Davison, Colin Baker, and Sylvester McCoy. Um, all the, the real-life personas trying to get into be, uh, be in the special. I heard about that, and it yeah. was really funny. Yeah. Now, did you see the little, um, the little film they did on YouTube showing the transition of Paul McGain to Eccleston? Yes, I did. the The fan, was that a fan made one, or was that an actual? No, one? that was. I, I did see it. That's, I did see it. Yeah. That's that's canon. Okay. Yes, I did see that. That's canon, and that shows uh, the transition to John Hurt mm-hmm. and and the transition into the Time War. And uh, I think that was really good because that was like the only one of the only um, regenerations they didn't have, mm-hmm. and people didn't really understand the time frame between uh, McGain and and Eccleston, right? Mm-hmm. And now we understand. Okay, so it went McGain, John Hurt, Eccleston, mm-hmm. right? But I think they need to recognize John Hurt as the actual doctor. I think he needs to be, kind of be thrown into this. If you look at Wikipedia, I think he needs an entry here. Well, yeah, especially since he ended up not, you know, committing genocide. Yes. <laughs> yes. Know, deciding not to. So. Um. The other weird thing is, with Peter Capaldi coming up, isn't the Doctor out of regenerations? That is a that is a question. That is a question that is on everyone's mind. Yeah, I don't know. I've I've read different things about that about whether that is actually the number of generations regenerations that they have or if that's just well uh, we know the master somehow cheated into more right, generations exactly so. or if the doctor's special right so everyone was kind of asking why Peter Capaldi right mm-hmm. and and the reality is they want to have kind of go back to the older style Doctor Who of I mean for lack of a better word they they want to go back to the older style of kind of crusty older guy older white guy. Because the next Doctor is supposed to be more of a tradition-breaking character. So they're talking about the Doctor after Peter Capaldi is either going to be black or female. Mm-hmm. right? And they felt that that transition would have more impact if it was after an older white guy rather than the younger um, characters such as Tennant and Smith. Right. So. Yeah. It, you know, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what kind of stories they do with him now. Yeah. So it, it, yeah. Well, it, nothing left to do but just see how it works out. But right. I, I'm interested for the Christmas episode. Yeah. Um. I hear that they did Gangbusters money with Day of the Doctor. Right. I mean, it was showing at IMAX. It was showing in film theaters. It was showing all over the place. Yeah. Um. And it was great to see uh, David Tennant back in as the Doctor because mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest, I'm not a big fan of Matt Smith. Mm-hmm. Um. And and 
I almost cried when I heard David Tennant say once again, I don't want to go. <laughs> oh my god. When I saw that for the first oh. time during the regeneration, yeah. Oh, I almost broke down in tears. Yeah. So I was like I don't want you to go, David Tennant. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, so. I, I also, I feel the same way. I like David Tennant quite a bit. Of course, I love Christopher Eccleston. I love Christopher Eccleston. I wish they could have gotten him back in the doc as the Doctor at some point. Yeah, I really do. Um, but, and yeah, and I can see he probably played. He probably would have played the role that I guess John Hurt played if he was still in the, affiliated with the series. Is my guess. But uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, oh, I have one more TV show that I, I have to mention. What's that? Have you ever seen a cartoon called Adventure Time? I've heard of it. So Adventure Time, it's, it's Adventure Time with Finn and Jake uh, by Pendleton Ward. Um, really, it's interesting because it starts off, it's, it's, it's this kid and his kind of magic dog, and they travel around in, uh, and I've talked about it before, I think, on the show. They travel around in the Land of Ooh, which is uh, this kind of magical world and stuff like that. But it is one, you know, you start watching it and it's it's a really cute show. It's really funny. They're 15 minute. It's it's two 15 minute episodes usually in a, in a half hour time slot uh, on Cartoon Network. And the thing is, though, as it goes on, you learn more and more and more about the characters and it's it actually gets kind of deep, especially when you're not paying attention. And there and some of the characters end up being really kind of tragic figures. Yeah. And uh, and and it's it's amazing kind of how that transition occurs. There's I think they're on the sixth season at, the, at this at the moment, sixth or seventh season. And it's it's a really, really good series. I, I highly recommend checking out Adventures Adventure Time. Uh, we have the. The, I think the first five seasons or possibly six seasons are out on streaming. Only the first two seasons are out on Blu-ray DVD, which I find kind of strange, uh, which we have. But you can uh, you can still see them all uh, streaming. And it's – yeah, it's just – it's an excellent – it's a really, really good series. Um, Holly's been marathoning it recently. But yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of it. It's quite good. Definitely worth checking out. Awesome. Um, I got nothing else for movie news on my side. I'm good or too. for TV news. Same, same. That was everything on my list. All right. What do you want to transition to next? Let's do. Um, well, I have I have one that's kind of related to that, um, and that is a on web shows, web web television shows. So at Wizard World, uh, I'll, I'll mention that one first. I saw the the one panel thing I went to at Wizard World was a show called Disenchanted. Uh, and it was a kind of like a pilot of a show filmed. Uh, well, uh, of of the premises is, is that it's about a bunch of disgruntled Renaissance fair workers, mm-hmm. and it and it's it was pretty amusing. It was uh, it was comedic. It was funny. It was fun. Uh, but one of the funny things is they were walking in. And I'm like, wow, that looks an awful lot like Sherwood Forest Fair, which is right outside of of Austin. Um, and I was like, wow, I guess I guess all Renaissance festivals do do look the same. But no, as it turns out, it was filmed at Sherwood Forest Fair, so that <laughs> uh, that uh, that that made more sense then. But yeah, it's it was filmed locally. Uh, lots of local people involved with it, and it was pretty amusing. And they won the best writing at uh, at a at a at a New York uh, uh, convention thing recently, writers writer symposium. Uh, and so hopefully they'll be making more of those, and that was fun. But the other web show that I want to talk about is a really great one called Bee and Puppycat. Have I made you watch that yet? Because if I haven't, I, I, I need to. No, you haven't made me watch it yet. <laughs> Very short, 10-minute 10 10 minute clip. You can find it on YouTube. It's by Cartoon Hangover, uh, Pendleton, uh, also affiliated with uh, Pendleton Ward somehow, the guy who does Adventure Time. But they're, they're a different group. Um, they do a, another popular show called Bravest Warriors. But yeah, Bee and Puppycat, it's great. By, it's by Natasha Allegri. 
Um, it's it's a like like I said, a ten minute clip. Lots of fun. Definitely check it out. Um, and they actually ran a Kickstarter to make more episodes of Being Puppy Cat, and they did really really well. Uh, I think they may raised maybe eight hundred thousand dollars or so. Uh, it's, it's the fourth highest uh, film related uh, thing on Kickstarter ever. Uh, and yeah, so Being Puppy Cat also check that out. Definitely check out that first ten minute clip. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that that sounds like something I need to put on my uh, my watch list. Much mm-hmm. like your. Oh, I know one what, what I wanted to ask you about. Sure. Have you seen the new gamers? I have not. Is that the Hands of Fate? Hands of Fate. No, I have not. Is that is that so? I saw that like another episode came out. Are they are they releasing that episodically or what? What's going on with that? I don't think so because the one I watched was like a two hour movie. Okay, so I don't. Maybe maybe they're doing something odd. Um, yeah, no, I have not seen the new gamers yet. Um, uh, so we watched it. I mean, it was funny, but it was definitely a detraction from what we were expecting Mm -hmm. in that the original was about the group, the group dynamics, um, and, and, you know, living out the, the campaign that they're playing in this one. The whole group stuff is like just a sidebar. It's like hardly a part of the movie at all. Mm -hmm. And it's all about the, uh, character who played the, um, and he's really good. I like him too. I think he's a good actor. The who played kind of the douchey rules lawyer. Yeah, yeah. He's the main character in this one, and it's okay. about him trying to win a girl by playing like a Magic the Gathering esque type game, and that is the focus of the entire movie. And huh. I kind of, I, I mean, I, I was a little bit disappointed because I really wanted to continue the adventures of the group and stuff like that, and yeah. and continue the campaign that they were doing, and 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 get back into that. But no, I mean, all that stuff was like minis- you know, was was really downplayed in that, and it was all about him playing this uh, card game. Really? So it's, they're not they're not doing an RPG kind of thing? No, I mean basically what they do is they 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 start the RPG and it's about the group having trouble getting together to play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know their timelines aren't getting you know like oh I got to work or oh I got a job or oh we're we're dating you know yeah the uh, um, the bald guy and the girl are dating now mm-hmm. and they just can't get the group together and so it takes them you know like a year to play again right. And and the uh, that character gets uh, the 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 rules lawyer character kind of gets fed up and he goes off to find something else to do and that's when he meets uh, that the uh, the chick from the card game and he wants to try and impress her so he tries to win this card tournament to impress her and stuff I'm I'm, I'm not trying to spoil anything but it, I was just I was kind of underwhelmed by it I was really hoping for something more hmm. that is weird yeah so it's it was. I mean, I tweeted to the dude who plays the rules lawyer. I was like, hey, um, we wife and I watched uh, Hands of Fate. Um, it's good. Not as good as, you know, Gamers, Darkness Rising, but it's good. Uh-huh. And and I could tell he was maybe like, he, he kind of felt it was like a, a, a backhanded, you know, uh, compliment. He was like, well, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed one of the movies. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, to be fair, we watched that movie when we first came back from Japan, so it holds a special place in our heart. So I tried to downplay it a little bit, but really I was just disappointed with <laughs> Hands yeah, of Fate. Right. So. Well, that is too bad. Yeah, it looks like you can buy the whole thing on its website uh, for $10. Is that, uh, yeah, and then I guess they're releasing parts of it for free is what it looks like is happening. So yeah. that's what I saw released recently. Yeah. Okay. And, okay, well, I will, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, do let me know what you think. Yeah, if, I'll do if, that. If, if I'm maybe just overanalyzing or something, but mm-hmm. yeah, for the most part, I was just unimpressed with it. Okay, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll watch that. Let me write that down to you. 
with, along with Almost Human, Blacklist, and Gamers. Yeah, your your stuff is. I, I know. You got to get more hours in the day. Yeah, well, you know, we'll be we'll be visiting our relatives over the holiday, so we'll uh, we'll we'll see how much time we have to do stuff then. <laughs> Load up your tablet. Exactly. Hey, it's a 14-hour drive. So, um, let's see. The yeah, that's what uh, those are the things I want to mention. Do we have time? Let's. Uh, yeah, I have a little bit more time. Uh, you want to talk about uh, video games or RPG stuff? Let's talk about RPG stuff because I think there's another thing that we need to cover. Uh, okay. What would you like to cover? Uh, the Pathfinder Adventure Card Game. Yes, that is on my list, and I knew it was going to be on yours. So yeah. So. Now that I have a baby, I'm I'm usually the GM for our Saturday group, and I've been running a variety of different campaigns. Uh, we tried uh, the uh, War of the Burning Sky. That kind of petered out because the Fire Forest was uh, completely soul-sucking. Um, and so we switched over to doing Pathfinder stuff, and I think we've been having a lot of fun with that. Yeah. And um, But my ability to GM now with the baby on Saturdays has been compromised. So what's actually been working out better is the Pathfinder card game because you don't need a GM for that. Right. And I was actually shocked by how good that was. Yeah, um, I'm of course, you know, since I was doing Scare and stuff, I missed a lot of sessions uh, that that y'all were doing the Pathfinder card game. But I did get to go to one uh, this past month, and it was great. I was really happy uh, about how fun it was and how well it did. And you know, it's a co-op game, which is also awesome because it's really hard to find good co-op games, and this one is great. It's scalable, so you can play it with up from one to six players. So you can actually play the game solo. Mm-hmm. Um, there are nights that Beck and I will just play together as as a two player game. Um, it is completely co op, so you're not trying to to stab each other in the back. There, it's tactics are needed. Um, you need to kind of think out your turns. You need to think out what you're doing. There's a lot of cooperation with your teammates needed, mm-hmm. and um, you actually see your character progress. You you kind of level up. You get new weapons, new cards, and stuff like that. You trade at the beginning, you trade at the end, you optimize each other's decks. It's it's a lot of fun. And then the the box for the game is was set up really um, well because they have everything like spaced out for all the different like cards you need. And then they even have little sections for the characters' decks, so your deck can be saved from you know session to session. So right. you know um, we just pick up our decks and play where we left off last time. Yeah, no, it's good, and you know the classes play slightly differently. You know, I mean, uh, not slightly differently. They, they're distinct. They have their the things that they're good at, things that they're bad at. Uh, you know, you have different strategies you can do when you play. Pick up those different decks. Uh, I was, yeah, I was very, very happy with it. So I play the barbarian deck, and I'm just all combat. So anything that that has like a lot of any deck that has a lot of monsters in it, that's sort of my task to go handle. Mm-hmm. You played the cleric. How how did you enjoy the cleric? I enjoyed the cleric, although it didn't play like I thought it was gonna. It was going to right. Uh, so I we play I played through two of those uh, scenarios I guess and um, I, I expected to heal I didn't heal once no I went out and killed things that is what I did I could have healed but the way that the action economy worked was so that it was almost always better for me to go out and do stuff right um, and I think it was nice to have me there with the potential to heal as people got really down you know Scott uh, but uh, no I, I I enjoyed it I enjoyed it quite a bit it is kind of shocking. Um, cause we've been playing without a healer. Uh, we, I know Shane plays a paladin and he has like one cure spell, but that's about it. Yeah. And he says he almost never uses that either. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can actually play the game. You, you even though it plays like Pathfinder a lot, um, it, it, it's not like D and D in that you don't need to have the trifecta, right? Right. Mm-hmm. In that you can be effective as a group 
right without the um you know wizard healer blah 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 so uh you should just play what you want to play what you're interested in playing and that each of the decks do play pretty differently yeah i was you know you mentioned how you were a combat master monster as a barbarian i was i thought it was really funny when scott uh you know he it was also his first time the day the day that i went and he just picked up you know the the bard uh the bard deck and he went and played the bard, and he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna go over here to the to the to the general store, or whatever. Oh, here's a friend, or the town square. Oh, I made a friend. Oh, I made another friend. Oh, you know, doing all these bardic kind of things, talking to people, getting getting allies and stuff. It was, yeah, I thought that was a really good illustration of how that worked and worked really well. Yeah, and then any time that we like and were like knew that like a villain was coming up, we were trying to position me to where I could go tackle him because. My character, basically my deck is meant for cycling through cards to up my damage, right? And so mm-hmm. I'm already rolling like a D12 plus 3 for strength stuff, and then I add in weapon damage. And then my special ability for my guy is I can bury cards to add another D10 to all my strength-based melee checks, right? Mm-hmm. So by the time I'm actually encountering the boss, I'm rolling like you know, a D10, a D12, 2D6, and a whole bunch of bonuses and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. so that's that's really what my character set up for, is to really just, like, if you got something, like, really big and ugly, you, you put me in front of it to take it down. Yeah. And and so you, I think they did a great job um, creating you, diverse characters. Yeah, and you ended up subscribing, right, to the... So, yeah, I, I bought the base deck, I got the character add-on deck, I subscribed, so I get all the adventures um, uh, bi-monthly, Oh no, that's not uh, well. Once every two months, right? Um, and uh, I'm getting the character mats. Now, this was the, kind of them dipping their toes into this arena, and they did shockingly well. Yeah. Like I've heard them. I, I I'm not sure. Don't don't quote me on these numbers, but I've heard somewhere in the factor of they're doing like five times the business that they were expecting. Wow. No, I hadn't heard that. And and it's done so well that they've already announced a second adventure card game coming out. Um, have you heard about this one? This, you mean the, the 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 sequel basically to this Rise of the Rune Lords one? No. Oh, a different one. No. What? So so they're continuing down their uh their theory of doing adventure paths as the card game, right? So this is Rise of the Rune Lords. It's based off of the adventure path, and it follows the story of the adventure path. So if you read the cards, you read the scenarios, you read the locations, you'll actually get the whole story from Rise of the Rim Lords. So this did so well, they're like, well, we're going to do another adventure path. This one, the next adventure card game that's coming out next year is going to be Skulls and Shackles, their pirate-themed yeah. adventure yes, path. Yes, that, that is what I meant, yeah. Oh, is, is that the, the sequel to Rise of the Rim Lords? I thought it wasn't. Uh, well, it's not the direct sequel in the AP. I meant the card game sequel, yes. Oh, I thought you were like talking about a sequel to Rise of the Rim Lords. Yes, no, and it's, and you know, yeah, no, Skulls and Shackles is coming out, which is the, yeah, the pirate-themed one, and one of the awesome things, it's entirely backwards compatible. It is, so you'll be able to use characters and cards from the other game, um, and they're going to have new classes. They're going to come out with Alchemist, Swashbuckler, Gunslinger. Those are really the three that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, uh, I think Witch also is going to be one. Are they going to do it? Warpriest or Oracle? They're going to do one of those two. I, I, or, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, yeah, That's and so uh, as soon as that comes out, I'm getting that one too. And I guess, and this is something that surprised me, I found out that they're also doing a dice game a Pathfinder dice game called Pathfinder Dice Arena. There's a Kickstarter for it right now, which is already made. Uh, But yeah, so there's going to be another... So Pathfinder, the brand, is doing really well. Now, we we get into this business conversation quite often. How do you think it's doing in comparison to Dungeons & Dragons, Wizards of the Coast stuff? Oh, right now it's doing great. Do you think think it's doing better than D&D? Absolutely, yes. I I, I would completely agree with that. From everything I'm reading on the D&D Next um, playtest... 
it just sounds like that's going down in flames. Yeah, I don't I don't know how the playtest is going down because I I mean nothing it never comes up in the stuff I read. And that's I mean that says something right there. From uh, from what I've been reading, they've been losing more and more people. The playtest has been kind of like spinning out of control. The mechanics are getting worse, the math is getting worse, they're not able to balance stuff out. And and I think part of the problem that they're having is because they open it up to the public, they're getting too much feedback from from different sources and and trying to implement all these different factors and appeal to all these different groups, I think that's finally starting to catch up with them. Well, I mean, they want to make it highly modular, which is complicated even normally. Yeah, so that's that's going to be – so they're putting out this base game and then they're going to have all these different module options. But that makes it really hard, I think, to to kind of focus in some ways. Yes. So like they recently released an adventure for – I think for for uh, for stores, right? They're doing they're still doing the D and D encounters. It's one of the only things they're still publishing new at the moment. And they released like a three five version, a four e version, and a D and D next version. So I don't know how they're going to be approaching adventure creation and stuff in the future. It's it's that seems kind of um, because you have to find the groups to play that, right? So yeah. Um, I don't know how well that's going to work. Uh, yeah, but like I said, I haven't I haven't really looked into it. And the uh, longer they delay. Right. The more firmly the Pathfinder IP grips the audience. Yeah. I mean, I actually canceled my D&D Insider subscription. So uh, did I. Which was kind of, yeah. And, and I'd been, a, I was a, a pre-day one subscriber. Uh, and yeah, because there's no, I mean, there's no content anymore is one, one thing. They haven't released anything new for fourth edition or anything in some time except for the play test uh all they're doing they're releasing special editions of all their old stuff right they just released and i have to admit it looks really great but an original D box set the original you know dungeons and dragons oh box yeah set. they've re-released like second edition uh yeah uh, D&D advanced like i saw all that in dragon's lair they've re-released all that stuff right but none of that's new right no, and, right. and and it's gonna do business but it's not gonna do like gangbusters business right and i think i don't know it's this whole kind of weird hasbro watsy things where it sounds like they have to have uh, you know, they, they have very strange taskmasters uh, or, or they're trying to serve very strange goals. Um, and I understand, you know, it is absolutely a business. I, I get that. But, um, yeah, I don't know where the design development focus is right now. Um, and, I, you know, I, and some the people there are great. Um, some people there are, are, are quite good. But a lot of people have left recently or been let go recently. And I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm actually worried about Dungeons & Dragons um, yeah. as, as a brand or as a, as a game, really. I made the joke that what Paizo needs to do is, now that they're moving to the next property, Paizo needs to license out 4E and fix that. <laughs> that would be... that would be Since they, uh... they, they got 3.5 <laughs> and they... I mean, the 3.5 is still kind of... like People argue that, oh, 3.5 is kind of broken in, for a lot of things. And I was like, you know what? 3.5 was never trying to not be broken. Right. You know, it's D&D. And D&D in and of itself is, is broken for a lot of things. You're not playing... You don't play D&D to play a fair game. Right. right. You play it to play an adventure game and, and play, you know, uh, the, the, you know, you play it to play Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Um, and so I think that was a lot of like, I know you, you're one of those proponents who didn't like for you because it was too sameish between all the classes. Right. And that's what you get when you try to make things fair. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's a, I think the 3.5 property that, that Paizo has redeveloped is still really strong. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to bring life back to it with their advanced classes thing, where they're they're creating a whole bunch of new classes, which are just combos of, of existing classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and and their Pathfinder Society is still going strong. Um, I went uh, to the Monday session, and they had a ton of tables playing there. Oh, that's great. That is great. I didn't know that. Yeah, I just went there because I went there with uh, Grayson just to kind of check it out, and I talked cool. to uh, Mike is one of the guys who ran for us a couple times, and he would play his fighter with us. I just want to see how they were doing. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, Pathfinder is still going strong, and I, 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 I that's why I want to get your impression because from my perspective, I think Pathfinder is going stronger than D and D, and I think D and D is losing its it's losing its brand. Yeah, because they I, honestly I don't feel I, I feel like you're absolutely right. They have Taskmasters. At, at Wizards of the Coast, who want it to be like Magic the Gathering. Exactly. And it, it will never be like Magic the Gathering. Right. Um, it's a different beast. It's a different group of people. And really, at this point, I think the best thing that could happen to D&D is if Paizo got the money to buy the brand. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, I, I yeah, being under this weird corporate structure seems to have affected it in very weird ways. And I think – and the thing is it's not like Paizo – obviously, it's not like Paizo – doesn't care about making money. They've been, but they've managed to do it in such a way where you know their developers have a huge say in everything. I mean, they're all they're all involved with the, both the game and the business. Well, and, and they also understand the business, like because right. you and I have talked about it before. You make the money off of the modules, mm-hmm. right? You do not flood the market with the builder books, right? Comparatively speaking, for the timeline that they're in, for the amount of content that they develop, they actually have very few builder books compared to what you know, like D and D would have for having the product out for the same amount of time. Right, and and unlike D and D, they've been consistently putting out modules, not APs and modules and standalone modules all the time, and of course all of the Pathfinder Society modules. Yes. So they've been putting out a lot of actual play content, which is great. Yes, and so it takes a lot of stress off of the GMs, and it's a lot of, and and the APs are well written, and and they have good content. You know, Carrying Crown, I was very shocked at how good that was, um, and and how well written it was. Um, missing a few maps for my taste, mm-hmm. but uh, that's easily solved because they do great map packs. Right. And they give you like references for stuff. They're like, oh, if for this encounter we don't have a map, but you can use map pack, blah 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 blah. Right. Um, and so, I, you know, and they they release good maps for all this stuff. You know, I was thinking about getting a subscription to their map pack map pack series, but. Yeah, and and then Wrath of the Righteous with their whole Year of the Demon thing, that's pretty awesome. I've been keeping up with that, Mm -hmm. and that's another great – that's one I want to run because that's a great uh, adventure for do you want to see – whatever character you've always wanted to see get like really overpowered and silly – that's yeah. a, that's a great adventure for that because yes. they intro, you know y- your characters become mythic characters exactly and that is like the overpowered um, Munchkin's dream right so oh God they, I, and and here's the thing I think they've got the money to buy the D and D brand you think so I just don't know what 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 Hasbro would value it as that's that's kind of my question I don't actually know I think because the amount of money I think they're making off of the totality of their products I think. I think Paizo probably has the money to buy the D&D brand. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. Um, I, I don't think the D&D brand is worth as much as... as pro- I think Wizards of the Coast would over overestimate it. Right. I mean, I suspect that is the case. That's that's kind of that's kind of where I was going, yeah. I mean, if I had to put a rough guesstimate on it, I would put the D&D brand... Um, I mean, I would be hard to go above $10 million. Yeah, I have no idea what kind what kind of money Paizo makes. So, <laughs> yeah. So, well, I mean, we'll we'll see. Uh, I, I think I think that would be the best option for Paizo at this point, because mm-hmm. I think Wizards of the Coast, 
I think the way it's going right now, um, D&D is going to continue to flounder, and it's only going to get worse. Mm-hmm. Because as they delay and delay and delay, that grip that Paizo has is going to get firmer and firmer and firmer, and they're going to come to a gaming world that they no longer control, that they no longer dominate. Mm-hmm. And without any avenue of escape, I think I think really getting rid of the brand and selling it off to Paizo is going to be the only option left. So my, my prediction here, in five years, I think um, Wizards of the Coast will sell off the D&D brand to Paizo. All right, we will see if that happens or not. Yeah. Um, let's see. So speaking of, of playtest, of course, you, we, we mentioned that Paizo right now is doing the advanced class guide playtest, which has been pretty interesting. Uh, I've, I've, I've downloaded it. I know you downloaded it also. Um, they've already made a lot of changes based on feedback and playtesting. Tons. Yes, and, and I got to admit, I'm one of the people who read it, and I was a little underwhelmed by some of the stuff that they implemented. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think for the most part, it felt like a lot of the classes were just too much of a this combined with this rather than really making it independent and on its own. Like, like my best example of that is the shaman. The shaman did not feel like a shaman, but instead it just felt like an oracle mixed with a witch. Like a, a, a I called it a waracle or, or, or a um, orwich, mm-hmm. right? In that I was like, there's nothing here that screams shaman, right? A guy with a staff and, and what have you. It really just was like, Oh, I do witch things, and I do some oracle things, and that's it. And and I get it. I mean, that's kind of what the advanced classes are. But you know, yeah, you're right. And so people know it's it's there. They are intended to be hybrid classes, basically mixes of different classes in some way. But each one is still supposed to have its kind of unique niche. I think the ideal one people mentioned was like the Magus, right? The fighter wizard type character. Exactly. Is, right. Um, but no, they've taken that. They've changed. They've changed almost every class. Uh, since the playtest, and it's only been going on for a little bit more than a week, and they've made some pretty neat changes. I think the Arcanist needed some work. I oh, think- I agree. The Arcanist, I, I, you know, I love, of course, as you know, I love Arcane characters, and I thought Arcanist was interesting, but it was kind of bland. Like Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, they, they had the um, versatility built in there, right. in that they um, prepare spells like a wizard, but they get the spell um, aptitude like a sorcerer. Right. right. So whereas a sorcerer, you just know uh, a handful of spells, but you can cast them a lot of times. And a wizard, you know everything, but you can only cast, you know, you have to prepare them daily and you can only cast them a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the arcanist is every morning you prepare your spells, but those are the only spells you can cast and you get to cast them more often. Right. Right. And you, yeah, you can cast them. Yeah, you can cast, you prepare like a wizard, but cast like a sorcerer. But their special thing, like the one thing they had was this kind of weird part school, part bloodline, and it's like very kind of mishmash. And so they're like, you're right. No, we agree. That's totally wrong. And we come up with this a new idea where they get to like hack magic and destroy things, magical things, or, you know, anyway, it sounds great. I was really, I'm really happy with the changes that they've been doing. And this is how I'm saying, I mean, that you run a play test because they, they will, the developers will get on and they'll talk about the decisions they made and why they made them and why they designed them this way. And they might disagree with the people they're talking with, but they'll, you know, but they're, they're polite and they, they'll explain it and they'll, you know, they, they discuss it and, and they and, don't bend to popular demand right. or, or to, they, to the vocal minority. Right. They don't. Right. They respond. They have, but they, yeah, exactly correct. And, uh, and I think, no, this has been a really, really good example of, I think how a play test should go. And and so I, I think that 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 
the audience bringing up the problems with the characters is good. Them responding, but they shouldn't feel that they need to make everyone happy because then you just right. get yourself back in the same situation that uh, that uh, Watsi was under. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting. I think the class I had, the class I enjoyed the most was the swashbuckler. Um, I enjoyed a lot of the stuff they did with that, um, using sort of the grit type of mechanic from the gunslinger, mm-hmm. um, and have them be very agile in the battlefield and stuff. I, I felt that was really awesome. Yeah, and I got to see one played at Wizard World. Actually, one of the one of the players in one of my games had a had a play test swashbuckler. How yeah. did it, how did it work? It worked surprisingly well, uh, especially considering that the as it is now, although this is going to be changing, the class is particularly weak at first level. But he still was really actually pretty effective, and he ended up being the party's tank, which is kind of funny. Uh, but yeah, it was good flavor, and it was also pretty good mechanics, and it uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. The classes that I really did not like um, from the playtest uh, sheet that I saw, I did not like the investigator. See, I'm, I'm opposite. I loved the investigator. I really disliked the investigator. I think it, I think that's probably my favorite class in the in the. Oh game. man, it's... and I really didn't like the blood rager. I wasn't thrilled with the blood rager either. Uh, the ones that I'm – so I'm going to be playing an Arcanist in a playtest. Uh, my favorite classes were actually the ones that you liked the least, which is kind of funny, uh, the Investigator and the Shaman. Um, the Although you know, I did see the changes they've done to the Shaman already uh, when I like them. Uh, investigator – I mean the, the one thing – it's kind of funny. There's a big thread in the discussion about how the Investigator uh, really kind of obsoletes the Rogue, uh, which is you – know, people say that all the time. But most people are like, yeah – but they don't really seem all that bothered by it. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess from my perspective, I'd rather have a, an alchemist trap breaker than the investigator, because I think the sneak attack mechanic is so limited. I think the bombing mechanic, like if you want the trap, you know, the trap sensing and trap uh, mechanic of a rogue. I'd rather have that with the uh, Trap Breaker archetype for the Alchemist and maintain the bombing capability. And the Investigator doesn't get the bombs. Instead, he gets a dumbed-down kind of... Uh, well, not dumbed-down, but it's it's a delayed version of Sneak Attack. Right, which he might he might be losing. I mean, I actually didn't mind that. I, I think the Investigator is, is a, a really good skills monkey. I mean, that's his thing. He, he's a skills thing more than his other stuff. No, I, I, I completely understand that. But yeah. it just it felt like too much of a light version of rogue and, and alchemist that it didn't really like have it's like here's what i'm going to do type thing right no spells no mutagens or anything like that you know you basically get some skills and you get the um formulas and stuff right right, right. which so, are spells which are the alchemist spells but yeah yeah but they're kind of yeah but they're not like spell spells right, right they're they're, right. they're dumbed down self only things and what have you so yeah, no, I yeah, like I said, that one was one of my favorites. I actually really want to play test that one, but I don't have the option at the moment. But one of these days, um, I do have a couple of other games. But I think uh, since we're going on an hour and a half, we should probably wrap up at the moment. And next time when we get JJ on, we can talk more about some RPG stuff and some video games also, and Kickstarter, of course. Yeah, we we need to cover. There's a ton of stuff going on in Kickstarter that we yes. need to cover, and we got RPG stuff and some video game stuff to cover. So yeah, I think we'll hold that off for next time. Yeah, so let's make this another two part like last time and uh, and yeah and go ahead and do that all right sounds good um so as always you can reach us on twitter i, I still manage a twitter account we are cotb1 on twitter yep you can find us at coming out of the basement.com and you can always email us at podcast at coming out of the 
gmail.com. We are eager to get any fan emails and uh, answer any questions. Actually, hate mail, that's fine too. Yeah, hate mail. We, for, for the internet, you know, because we have, we've gotten like on, on episodes up to like 300, almost 400 listeners. I am shocked by the lack of hate mail. Yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sure somebody would have called us names by now. Yeah. So yeah, thank you all very much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.